0: To buy a ghost to a contract, you kill the contract and make a ghost contract.
1: Yes, and then you can pay them ghost money For ghost sex for, for jacking it. Yeah, it's not <laughs> it's not ghost sex; it's it's jacking people off.
2: So, but wouldn't that be like really chilly and cold?
1: Maybe I don't know. I'm They'll not you know, until you've tried it. Yeah. I, I
2: was gonna say i
0: I suspect that if you're willing to pay for that service, you probably don't care. Like you're not just as if if you go to mcdonald's you're you're not looking for a quality hamburger you're
1: looking for cheaper or faster you're you you've you're forsaken better in that in that instance
0: and ghosts the whole point of the scheme is ghosts are as cheap as you can get because
1: maybe ghosts- I really don't know It's 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 all about what the market will bear. There's it's 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 supply and demand. It's basic economics.
2: Although, you know, Why would they need money, though. There's no overhead there.
1: Well, you buy ghost like, stuff. Yeah. Ghosts use ghost money to buy ghost stuff at ghost stores.
3: Don't you want to support it's, the ghost economy?
1: Yeah. I mean, what's what's difficult about this? What 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 is so hard for people to get about ghosts using their ghost money from jacking people off to buy ghost stuff at the ghost store? I think it's fairly straightforward. I don't know how I could possibly explain it any more Why do you pliantly. hate
2: capitalism? Y'all are fucking cracked. All of you. All of you. I don't know whether just, to no. encourage
0: Charlie to just go deeper or if that is creating a dangerous, dangerous uh, thing that we're going to have to deal with in the future.
1: Deeper, faster, better. Cheaper. There's a fourth one. <laughs>
3: You can go deeper on the ghost than you can. The late
2: night the... ghost sex. <laughs>
3: Spicy, melty, crunchy, grilled. The late uh, night ghost sex. Oh, the, what crun- the,
1: hell? The, the crunchy ghost sex is my personal favorite.
0: Uh, okay.
1: Hey, man. Everybody's got their thing. Ew. You don't want the cheesy one.
2: Freak. Don't judge. Chef's judge. <laughs> oh, I'm chef, chef and I'm judging.
0: <sighs> right. Chef's a ghost.
1: He is. He is. Do not have sex with a can of ravioli. <laughs> that that will cut your dick. That will. You
3: have to Wait, be Is that what actually what? happened
0: in uh what? <laughs> in South Park?
3: No, 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 Chef Boyardee, not Chef from South uh, Park mistake yeah all right you guys ready
0: nope. Is that really what happened to chef boy rd
1: yes. yeah that's how he died <laughs> okay cool <laughs> not <laughs>
0: cool it's kind of gross but <laughs> okay.
3: yeah interaction that oh like four more hours you hear that? fucked a can of uh, it's <laughs> Chef RD ravioli and died massive blood loss and now he's a ghost chef Ghost food,
0: and there's a oh, whole other group, set of rules that governs ghost food, and let's not get into that because well, yeah, you have to so. kill the
3: ingredients, for him Exactly, to you
0: do, and there and there are
1: regulations set down by the ghost government. Yes, the but ghost. You like the yeah, food, yeah. Like you the GFDa, the Gusda. Oh well, <sighs> Gusta,
3: Megusta.
1: What? No, no, me no, no, no. gusta. <laughs> jacking it, people love jacking it. What well, are we sure. waiting for? We're waiting for me to shut up. I'll shut up. All right.
3: Thank Christ. Hello and welcome to the Chainsaw Buffet podcast, the podcast that is the media room in the streets and the party floor in the sheets. I'm John. I'm the Robin of the podcast and yes. I am joined by our resident Crom Charlie. <laughs> it's okay. This this one's for me. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Uh, I'm not going to remember these
0: characters.
3: You've got our uh, resident Frederick Dillon.
0: Yeah, I definitely don't remember these characters.
3: And a uh, very special guest. We've got uh, our resident Sumia Jen. woo Jen, how's it going? Hi! Hi. Uh, all right. So uh, this is our, our GMX recap and, uh, you know, quiz to remember if you know anybody from Fire Emblem Awakening. Um, not really. Yeah.
2: I'm the pretty one. Sure, why not? Um. <laughs> oh... They're all drawn pretty. What are we talking about? It's true. It's true.
3: Um, so yeah, uh, GMX, uh, Charlie and Dylan, you guys were there for the whole thing. Me and Jen showed up on Saturday and left early Sunday before anything actually happened. So uh, let's let's get right to it. Um, what
1: can you guys tell me about Friday?
0: Uh, do you want to start with this, Charlie? Because I want to say you did an interview. Oh yeah. Real. Well, I mean,
1: first thing—I uh, the, mean, the first thing we did was just like ch- you know, besides checking in, was check out the dealer's room real quick. But yeah, yes. the first—the first real thing um, was the the interview with Kevin McNally. Um, How'd that go? It went. I—I I, was—I was really worried about it, um, as I often am, it, for at least the first interview of any convention. But but I. I I was very tempted to to not go to it just because I was like ah, I'm not gonna be prepared, whatever. Um, didn't think I'd have time, but um, Dylan and I ended up splitting our resources. I, I went and did that while he went to the Robert Schwab panel. But it, it went it went very very well. Kevin McNally is a very entertaining human being. Uh, I don't know at what point we'll get the interview up because
3: it will be sometime this week.
1: Okay, um, like this my... week
3: and next week, um, I'm gonna get all the uh, podcasts recorded. I know that the audio for this one we're gonna have to get from uh, the guy who runs Heavy Metal
1: Hobbit. Shout outs to yeah. him. But uh... that that was my fault because I I mistook one recording setting for another recording setting and. It wasn't recording. Um, you He had one job, Charlie. I know, I know. But no, it the the interview went very well. I thought we uh, we had a we it was the it was Heavy Metal Hobbit, us, well, me and 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 Rusty from, from GMX slash MTAC. Um, and I mean, we sailed through that interview. We got a lot of stuff asked. He he was very entertaining. It's it's a good interview. Um, and I Rusty ha- asked him his weird ass questions again, didn't he? He loves them. He loves
0: them. God bless him. Um, and actually, because uh, I walked in at the end of the Kevin McNally interview, and it was just great. Um, yeah, because he got off on some topic like the differences between English and British words or something like that, and. Uh, those are just the best interviews where you can get them just, just talking about something in general
1: yeah um it, it was good and then the only the only bit that I would add I guess um that that wasn't it was after the interview um was a couple people wanted to get uh pictures with him and i I was really just like I was the last person to go up there and I, I was just gonna give him the card. Uh, our our business card and and thank him and he's like oh you want one too and I was like because I don't have a smartphone so I had no ma- I was like oh no 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 I not re- that's fine and he's like oh well fuck off then and <laughs> it was hilarious it was hilarious <laughs> I like this guy already I'm sorry I didn't get to meet him. He, he was so good. I, and, and he's, he has had a long career, been acting since the seventies, has appeared in a lot of stuff. Um, it's, it, this is an interview you definitely, definitely want to catch. I, I was actually very, you've been
3: telling people that. to fuck off for a long time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I was very happy with, with the result. But anyway.
0: Well, good. Good work by you.
1: And then while I was at that, I believe Dylan was at Robert Schwab's panel.
0: Yes, uh, well, one of Robert Schwab's panels. Uh, Robert Schwab's big new game. Um, we interviewed Robert. I want to say at GMX last year, and he's we did. Uh, he's done a lot of uh, RP tabletop RPG design. Uh, most recently. Um, work on D&D 5th edition. Yeah, he is no um, longer
3: with Wizards, though. He is
0: no longer with Wizards, and this was actually sort of the announcement of his next project, um, which is a game called uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord. Um, it's kind of an, the way he described it, it's an apocalyptic dark fantasy sort of game. Um, you know, because someone asked like, you know, where are the characters? Is it like Raven Lost where, you know, you've got all these uh, lords of different domains? And he's like, it doesn't matter because the world's ending and all those people are going to die anyway. Um, <laughs> but <clears throat> if you've ever like, I, I think I went to at least two or three of his panels and they're just great because one the questions that get asked are actually really good. Like the people who go to these panels are really into um, role-playing games, if not role-playing game design. And so you get a lot of really good questions. And also he knows how to talk not just about like storytelling and game design concepts, but he got into a lot of designing for the player's experience. Mm. Um, And the whole idea of Shadow of the Demon Lord was was that um, D&D has always been a very, um, or the last few uh, editions of of D&D have always been a very uh, design-by-committee sort of game. And what he did with this was he went and built the game that he wanted to build, essentially. And the interesting thing is um, some of the design choices. Um, they made were very, the he kind of described this as like a beer and pretzels game. Like you sit down with anyone, um, and they only have to make a few choices early on in the game, um, and they can get playing in five minutes. All um, right, nice. and and he simplified a lot. They simplified a lot of other things, such as, um, for example, it only uses a d20 and a d6, uh none of the other dice so you know people who were new wouldn't be as confused and and the idea behind this is he was describing like you can create these really nice games that are complicated but never get played and essentially what you're creating is porn someone picks it up looks at it on the bookshelf and goes huh that would be interesting and never plays it and so this is a game he wants to um wants to be played now, I guess we can get a little bit of the demo on uh, when we talk about Saturday, because they were running the demo and the game was pretty good. And not only that, they had a really solid setup for the demo. But um,
1: and that's really the game that I believe is going he's going to be kickstarting it in, the in spring. spring. Yeah, I want to if we've got a little did any of the material we have have a link or anything on it, we may want to.
0: Um, I I think it is, uh, if you go to Schwab entertainment, um, that's where all of his social media links and things like that are at this point.
1: So when we get to the demo and if, if you like what, uh, what Dylan has to say about it, then make a note of checking back for the the Kickstarter for that. Um, sorry, go ahead.
0: Uh, that's. Um, that's pretty much all I I wanted to really say about it. It, uh, it is a really interesting game concept, uh, the way he simplified it. It doesn't feel too simplified, but it reduces the number of choices you have to make. And, um, it's actually built to be played in an 11 game campaign because he was saying, you know, you know, surveys show that people play an average of two months, you know, a single campaign lasts an mm-hmm. average of two months. Basically, this is the game that <clears throat> he was explaining that he wants um, like adults to be able to play because, you know, before the game, they're not, you know, they don't want to be thinking about reading a stack of books. And after the game, they want to be able to switch off and do whatever it is they have to do. So hmm. it actually kind of seems right up our alley. And the the description of it. Like I said, it was really entertaining uh, just to hear him talk about, like, game design and RPGs and that sort of thing. He's an entertaining guy anyway. Yes. True. And actually, after that, we did an interview with him. So how that yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Immediately.
3: <laughs> I, Thank, you know what? Thank God, because we talked to him last year, and, and he, was, he was really funny. He always kept me on my toes and stuff. And I was a little worried about you guys trying to do it again. But I'm glad that he was just, like, you know, all all in. So oh, What well,
0: was funny is I'd written up some questions like, okay, if I have to do this alone, I can ask him about 5th edition. I can ask him about Shadow of the Demon Lord. I did not want to tra- retread a lot of ground that he sure. talked about in the panel. So yeah. it was all these sort of questions about, like, well, what's testing like? Because the way he, he described it was they're already, like, they've got a, a play test group of about 80 people. He's wanting to make sure the system is done before the Kickstarter so that he can, when he launches the Kickstarter, it's just for publishing and editing and that sort of thing. Hmm. Um, so I had these like really like, okay, you said you, you siloed off some of these choices so you could test them independently. Like, what was that like? How did you do that? And I had all these things written down. And as soon as the interview gets off the rails, I'm like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not bringing this down. Uh, no, to, I think to have, like
1: there were several times where I, where I did kind of want to like poke you, like ask a question because you got good questions. But so it was, it was
0: in some cases better than than that just because I don't, I don't know. I, I
1: I did feel bad for him because like you know he's he's here to kind of plug his his new project and we spent so little time like. Maybe a few minutes actually talking about it. I think uh, we s- we spent a lot of time talking about uh, interstate rest stop bathrooms. We of probably spent more time on interstate rest rest stop bathrooms than we did on the game.
0: Yeah, uh, it, but, uh,
1: yeah. I don't I don't want to spoil anything, but got off
0: the rails. It
1: Dragonborn are weird.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I get, I've forgotten all these little details. I remember all the little oh. details about no. the game that he talked yeah. about in the panel, I don't remember the things about dressed-up bathrooms and female Dragonborn.
1: Yeah, again, another another interview you just do not want to miss, so... I cannot wait to edit
3: this. I have this.
2: so many questions.
1: <laughs> and you do not want those answers, I <laughs> promise you.
2: I you don't are, know, I might.
1: No, no. Nope. No. Nope. This this will not the this will this will ruin something. This will break something inside you, in a beautiful way. But it's still broken. Oh, there's no getting it back. But it was it was a very good interview again. So,
4: well, thank uh, goodness.
1: And, and I believe after that, uh, let's, what did we do? We went to the Curiously Confounded, the British panel yes. ship, I believe. Which yeah. was fun. That was because I'm, I, you know, a lot of the conventions have laugh out loud, um, the improv group, which I love them. This was a Nashville improv group that was very good, um, and did a bunch of games that that I've not seen improv groups do before. But then again, I, you know, I don't see a lot of them. It,
0: it almost felt different, like they were drawing on different. Um, inspirations and sources than uh, whose Line. It was fundamentally a different concept.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I believe one of my favorites, was it Flip Debate? I think that's what it was called. Uh, Where you have one person come up, they're given a topic to debate, they start off debating for it, and then when the host rings a bell, they have to flip and start arguing against it. And then if the bell's, every time the bell's rung... They have to switch positions, um, and I believe the first person's he had to argue for and then against Crocs, the the shoes. <laughs> um, although my favorite part of that actually came after that game, because one um, one of the cast members who wasn't even in that game, he wasn't it wasn't the guy in the game, said uh, something like, "Crocs are like what do you say? Crocs are like getting blown by a dude. It feels great until you look down and see how gay you look." And I thought that was hilarious. That whole whole game, that whole show was very good.
0: Yes. I'd forgotten about that bit about Crocs.
1: But, what... Then they did some weird, like, image-based ones where they, like, deconstructed movie posters or...
0: Yeah, I think one of the downsides of this was they had, like, a slideshow... Mm-hmm. Or a slide deck that, that, that ran the game, but somehow they couldn't get it hooked up, so they were having to hold it up. But yeah, they did a um, like they'd take a movie title or a concept or, or you know something you would use in like Pictionary. But instead of giving the drawer the thing that they were supposed to draw, they gave them the names, uh, they gave them concepts. Like, the Dark Knight was um, the Bat Signal and a fairy and a time bomb and, and all these things. Yes. And then, so, they would have to draw all these weird things and then guess what the actual topic was. So, it was like Pictionary with a middleman.
1: Yeah. Um, and, then they, and then they had to defend their own drawings like and explain why theirs was, was more accurate to the source than the other teams.
0: Yeah. It, yeah.
1: Yeah. They were, they were really good. I, that was a very good show. And, uh, let's see after that, I believe we went to analog gaming.
0: Yeah, I think one thing we tried to do in analog gaming, because um, uh, GMX, both GMX and MTAC, they have uh, the National Area Gamers Association, I think, uh, Naga running the game room. And so they usually have a ton of really. Um, I want to say really good games, because I didn't play all of them, and some of them I didn't know. They, they have a diverse selection of
1: games. Yes, yeah, they, have, they have a very good um, selection of games. It's, it's one of the. Uh, of the conventions we go to, it really is one of the one of the best, I think, best run analog gaming rooms.
0: Yeah, it, it's one of those things where it's not so true with GMX, but with MTAC definitely. Um, as an anime con, you don't have to have a good gaming room. You can just do CCGs and be, you know, okay. But um, I think working with Naga, like they're really it's a thing you can actually go, and if you do nothing but analog gaming, you're going to get your money's worth. But mm. anyway, we went in and we picked out a bunch of games that we said, okay, if we have time, these are the games we want to try. And that way, um, you know, we had a plan.
1: Yeah. And I believe the that the first time we played uh, Sentinels of something.
0: Sentinels of the Multiverse. <laughs> Um, which is a comic book based uh, superhero co-op game. Um, it kind of plays like smash up in the sense that you get a pre-built deck for each hero and each hero has, has different um, kind of a different theme and fits together with other heroes in a certain way. And each mm-hmm. villain also has a different theme. Um, we, we actually, like, I've hesitated on this just cause I'm, I'm, Not big into superheroes, so I don't end up playing a lot of superhero-themed games. RPG, video game, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was actually really easy to learn. Um, I think even though with two players, we were vastly outgunned by the O-index. Yeah,
1: Yeah, even though it's supposedly... um, Supposedly you can play it with two players. I... I would definitely not recommend it.
0: And one, one of the things, one of the tricks is you really have to learn what each of the the heroes and the villains do. Yes. Um, so it's kind of like I, I would compare it to like playing a raid in WoW or, uh, you know, playing a MOBA where you have to learn not only your characters' uh, abilities, but how they work against other characters and with other characters'
1: Yeah, the you synergy know. between the heroes is... Yeah, it's,
0: it's not like a role-playing important. game where you can build that all out yourself. It's it's already pre-packaged, you have to learn it. Yeah, um, and,
1: and I think the first game we played of that, the problem was we really didn't understand the game yet. And the second game we played of it, we both chose more like support-style characters.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but... I, I still think beating it with trying trying to beat it with two people is just way too way super tough I, I, if you were gonna do that i really think like each player would need to run like two heroes so you so you have yeah. the, so you basically have the equivalent of four players um it's one of those I keep wanting to try again be not i i haven't decided if i actually like the game or if i'm just mad at the game for winning so much that i need to play it until i can beat it
0: well, yeah, like I said, like the comparison to like a raid or something is the the kind of the fun seems to be figuring out how the different mechanics work, like trying yeah. to solve the puzzle essentially. Yeah. Um and we really enjoyed that. I feel like it would be kind of hit or miss like you could bring out another co-op game um you know, an Arkham Horror, Elder Sign, something like that. A mm-hmm. uh, Pandemic maybe even. And you know, everyone can just jump in and, and at least kind of have a handle on what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um Or even even like Shadow Rift, where you're like, okay, I'm building the deck, so I know what's in it. Whereas Sentinels is like, you have to be willing to commit to to learning and dying a lot yeah. <laughs> until yeah. you do.
1: Yeah, I kind of get that feeling as well.
0: So I, I don't know if it's a game I will buy
1: at any point. You probably will. I probably will. If you, you you'll find it on sale and you and you'll purchase it because if it hits
0: twenty dollars, I'm like, okay, sure, why not?
1: Because there's probably a similar part of you that's like I I have I'm swearing a blood oath against this game. I cannot risk so yes. I defeat it.
0: Yes, I do. It is it, it's it's such a different co op game where the other co op games you kinda have to figure out what the rhythm is and, and kind of the the general abstract rules, mm-hmm. whereas this is figuring out specifics. It's the difference between, um, I don't know, it, it's kind of like, you know, playing old school Nintendo games and you're like, every boss battle is different. So you had to learn each boss's pattern. Yeah. and That's kind of the, the attitude I go into it with.
1: And let's see. What did we do? Anything else Friday night? There was an ice cream social.
0: There was dot, an dot, ice cream social.
1: Dot, 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 with booze. Um, with booze. Don't bite him Yeah, not really sure how we ended up at it. or
0: Because we saw Lauren and Nico uh, on yeah. the way in, and they were like, we're having a party, an ice cream party.
1: It it was pretty hooray nice.
2: Hooray ice cream, hooray booze.
1: Indeed, it was. I actually, I, I, I thought that was actually a really, really cool theme. It, yeah. It, it gave a little differentiation to a room party, but anyhow. Um I think that's all we did on Friday. Yep. Right? Um so we stayed up
0: to like two or three playing soon, we like.
1: did that pretty much every every that night, is. I think. Um Saturday we went to was- analog gaming first. Oh sorry, go ahead.
3: I was just gonna ask if you guys did anything before we shut
0: up.
1: Uh yes. yes. Just a little, not very much. We went to we went back to analog gaming and tried Arctic Scavengers. I think
0: yes, because we would both heard about it. It's a deck building game. It's published by Rio Grande. Um,
1: rates pretty highly on Board Game Geek. I, geek, I think was the reason I was aware of it.
0: Yeah, was it I, kind of. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I'm done. Go. It kind of. Um, yeah. I, I think one of the reasons it rates highly is it. It's one of those that kind of breaks out of the Dominion mold, especially as it relates to player interaction. Mm -hmm. Um, Because basically any cards that you do not play at the end of a a round, um, you know, every player's turn get put face down and go into the skirmish. Um, And whoever wins the skirmish by having the highest combat rating takes a uh, contested resource, which is usually something really good. It's either victory points or, an yeah. um, item or something like that.
1: And then, like, most of the cards you use, like, most of the... Because the whole victory point thing is, is essentially tribe members for your group, and so most of the cards you buy or get are also victory points. Um, yeah. So there's no, like, separate trying to buy resources and trying to buy victory points. Most of your resources... Oh, well, a good portion of what you can use for resources are essentially victory points as well. The,
0: the interesting thing I think it does is instead of using separate cards, instead of using, well, you know, this time we're going to play with a different set of 10 cards. Mm -hmm. It kind of goes more along the lines of like the Star Trek deck building game where you're digging through. um, There's a junk pile that you can uh, play cards that'll let you dig through and choose a card out of it. Um, there's the contested resources which the the first player at the beginning of every turn gets uh, if you're playing more than two players gets to peek at that card and you know that kind of helps decide if if they want to focus on buying cards or going go for contested resources um, but it it uses that card randomization uh buying cards from just a random deck
2: mm-hmm. it
0: also um, the way you kind of expand and, and play different variants is it's got a bunch of different options that adds in certain cards to either the contested resources or the junkyard or adds in a new mechanic or adds in a new card type. Um, I'd have to play with one of those to know what I felt about it. It was good, but it didn't really feel like I've got so many deck building games right now. I was just like, this actually seems more generic than, you know, a game yes. like Star Trek or a game like uh, Thunderstone where I have a bunch of expansions or a game like Nightfall where I have a bunch of expansions. Like I've kind of got variety in that area covered, even though it is a very solid game.
1: Yeah. And I, I'm a, and this is coming from someone who is a fan of deck builders. So, I mean, I really enjoyed the game. Um, but then I Wait, like deck-based.
0: you as a fan of deck builders, or me? Yeah,
1: I enjoy. I okay. really do like deck building games. Um, generally speaking, and I really liked this one. The the only thing I I would say that I love I really 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 love the mechanics, not so sold on the theme. So like, the the flavor stuff really didn't get me. Um. I I would almost rather. I I would like to see it rebranded. Like if someone took, if someone bought the rights to the to the mechanics, themed it for something else. um, But the fact that I really liked it with kind of a, what I thought was kind of a thin, thin, uh, thinly applied theme. um, So at least, yeah, mechanically it was really good.
0: Actually, I was just looking on Amazon and various sites. It may actually be out of print. Oh. Huh.
1: Um, oh, um. well. Yeah. So sucks for everybody that didn't get it. Um. Then the only other thing that we caught a bit of before you guys showed up was Celebrity D anD. D. Um,
0: which was of course Robert Schwab. Uh, was it the Marble Hornets guys? I think so. I to be honest, I didn't know who all the guests were this okay. year, so there were just a bunch of guests, yeah. and I. And then Greg Grunberg, yeah. um, but it it was
1: it was very much like last year. It was, it was pretty fun. Um, the The high point for me was one of the one of the guys' characters was an archer, and he was basically firing blind, and and as a result, was more likely to hit one of his comrades than the monster they were fighting. Um, and the first round, he did it. He's like, I'm going to fire three arrows at once. And then when that didn't work he's like I'm going to fire 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 five arrows at once and his defense of that was you miss 100% of the shots you never take and that it, it was entertaining I, but I had to um I had to cut out I had to cut out early um to get on the road to Memphis so I was actually gone most of Saturday and I I left like, I didn't even get a chance to see you guys, because I think Dylan had Dylan left to go, like, get you guys your, your room keys and, and whatever else, and it was within a few minutes I had to get on the road. So, I was gone until, like, 11 that night, so take it away!
3: Yeah, I think once Jen and I got there, we mostly just walked around for a few minutes and got settled in before... We went to a panel about running a convention that uh, Jeremy Miller did. Yes. Hmm. We were there for about 30, 45 minutes or something of it until uh, Dylan and I had to book out to go do the uh, Greg Grunberg interview.
0: Yeah. I thought it was a really good panel just because it's almost the panel that should be required uh, viewing for like every convention goer at some point (laughs) um just because you know he's talking about like um he went into how you know some of the weird things that happen as a result of contracts with a venue or a hotel really he went into things like promotion and things like that um I, i mean he didn't get too deep into the details it was a very broad overview but it really got into the number of people and the, the the amount of commitment that goes into putting on a convention and it's kind of like you know again you kind of have to compare that to people like well they didn't do this well why didn't they do it Be- because it's complicated to run a convention <laughs> yeah it did kind
3: of give sort of an idea of how the
0: sausage gets
3: made and all so, that um,
0: which is really really good and it's Good. If someone actually did want to run a convention, they could actually go through and build an outline of what they needed. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, Sorry. Did you guys have any more thoughts? Since I kind of... No, not really. Um,
2: I don't think we want to try that ourselves.
0: No, no, it's it's scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that, yeah. that, that's kind of the point because you've got all this stuff that you're on the hook for providing. And yeah mm-hmm. yeah, so but,
3: what did you guys do uh
0: beyond that
3: um most of most of my day was in the media room, so I think the next thing I went
0: to was so you want to be a panelist, and how was that? It was both good and bad um it actually okay. ironically started a bit late because the like one of the two presenters. I think was either running late or couldn't get her laptop hooked up to do. Um, <laughs> but it was really good because it was basically about like, OK, if you want to do a panel, first of all, choose a topic. You know how to choose a topic, how to determine if it's a topic that um, you should really be presenting on. Is this something that you're really interested about talking about? You know, is it something that other people haven't done or haven't, you know, or you think you could do better? which actually kind of took issue with that, that they didn't go like you think you could do from a different angle. It was, you think you could do better. Like, Mm -hmm. um, it was talking about like, you know, how you need to practice this stuff, how you, you need to pull it all together and, and make sure like be ready for things to go wrong. And a lot of it was also public speaking. Actually, I think this was kind of a combination of, um, like, one of the presenters had actually been accepted. One of the presenters did a panel like this that didn't get accepted here. So they just kind of merged the two. Hmm. Um, like I said, it was really good. It's another one of those panels that I think is, you know, a how the sausage gets made sort of panel. Like even if you're not a panelist, you need to go to one of these panels. Just so you, you have to understand what's involved. And understand that a convention can only show you the, the content that gets submitted. And that content, you know, may or may not be good. There, there's a lot of work that has to go into a good panel. What I didn't necessarily like is, um, I think I've, 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 we've kind of touched on this before there's really multiple sort of philosophies as to how you create content for a convention. And one of those philosophies that kind of at one end of the spectrum, you've got making better fans and making better fans. The primary idea behind it is to inform you're there to, to present new content, to get discussion going. The content is the focus. And at the other end, um, is experience having fun, you know, um, goofy sort of fandom things like ask a character panels would go on the experience side. Mm -hmm. The presenters were a little more towards the experience end than I would have liked. Um, and I think to, to do a panel like this effectively, you have to, Except that there is a range of uh, panel paneling Mm -hmm. content and that, for example, if you're going for an experience and you're getting someone who's giving like a lecture discussion, it's going to be boring. If you're going for a lecture discussion and you get someone who is giving an experience sort of panel, then you're going to feel like it was stupid. Um, and so you, you kind of have to be able to work with both of those anyway. Like, uh, like for example, when they were talking about passion, um, they were talking, they, they ended up mentioning that con building and events management panel. Like, yeah, that was kind of boring. Like he just sat behind his computer and rattled all this stuff off. And I was like, no, he was actually really knowledgeable. Like I didn't need to be like, he didn't need to have a whole bunch of personality thrown at me because he was giving me information. Mm. I you know, that was the purpose of the panel. Um and just general stuff like that. Like they got into uh certain things that made like a bad panel. And in the middle of that they started talking not by name about a certain person, like and if you go to his panel, you'll know who he is. And it was just like I don't know that I would get into that. Um mm. It was you, wasn't it? No, it wasn't, because I do not uh, print off my slide notes and read them verbatim, Um, which I agree is bad. But I would have to it's like I would I would almost given what they had said about the uh, con running uh, panel, I would almost have to see this panel to tell if. You know, like how accurate I thought their comments on this guy was, was. Um, hmm. but I thought it was a little weird. Like, I know we've done that. We've made references to people like, you know, and probably said things that are disparaging, uh, kind of as a joke. And I'm not saying it's good for us to do that either, but it kind of comes off as weird. And in, in the middle of the panel, you're like, want to be pulled into like regional con or, <laughs> you know, mm. drama. Beefing um, over turf. <laughs> it's like I said, it, it was a good panel. It's the kind of thing I look at and go I wonder at some point if I could do if I could like de- flesh out this idea of like the continuum and of you know of of you know these different types of panels and and different attitudes and turn that into a paneling better panel. Um mm. I don't know. But otherwise again, yeah, I, I would I would definitely recommend this to someone who is thinking about doing paneling or someone who has just judged a panel harshly before because um, they will commiserate with you, but also they will teach you how difficult running a panel can be. Was there anything else you guys did? Jen?
2: I went and bought a ninja turtle.
3: And thank you for that. That's very sweet. A
1: real Uh, live
2: one? No. Oh.
3: Oh, no. I wish.
2: No. Um, there was a booth that was selling vintage toys that had a bin of old um, Ninja Turtles figures. So I dug one out and bought it for John. Cool. And then went to the dealer's room and then bummed around Artist Alley some more and then watched people – Saw some really good cosplays. Um, Saw a bunch of people midday, already drunk, and all over the hotel.
3: Chris.
2: (laughs) No. No, I actually didn't see Chris until later that evening. Um, But, let's see. Then I went upstairs and walked by the media room, and you guys were still in there. So... I was about six ish, right? Yeah, about six ish. So I asked Rusty if there was anything he wanted and, and no, well, maybe a beer. And then I went to read my Kindle for a while and waited for the guys. Then we went partying. I think actually, I was going to say, I think
0: actually during that time I went to Robert Schwab's uh, designing role playing games (laughs) panel. Yeah, Um, which was in large part Q&A. He he talked more about um, it it was it was a lot of the same sort of things about um, that. He described like the philosophy behind like Shadow of the Demon Lord. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was more generic um, about, you know, here's how you would different issues in, in building a system. And he took a lot of good questions. Um including there was there's like one group that were like, yeah, we're building this campaign setting, we want to open source it. And you know, I mean like real world interesting questions, not just generic. Um I don't remember too much else, but again, it's always really interesting to hear Robert Schwab talk about role playing games. <laughs> and He's a fun dude. Let's see. Mm-hmm. I went by the I went by analog gaming. Um One other thing I guess we should mention, I do not know what uh, game store it is, but there's a local game store that always sets up an MTAC and GMX's uh, analog gaming. And I ended up buying Machi Koro, uh, which I've not played yet. And also the second Lost Legacy game, which Lost Legacy is a spinoff of Love Letter. Uh, Kind of a spinoff. It's similar mechanics. so it was kind of cool. Like I was like supporting those guys. Um, there was actually one guy, the, there was a guy that, uh, the guy who ran the the booth had been playing a game with who saw me buying lo- the, the second lost legacy game. It was like, you know, and he was a little bit older, but he's like, yeah, I love that game. You know, like love letter is good for new players, but lost legacy, you know, if I've got a bunch of people who are gamers, I bring that out. And the second one's even better than the first. And, you know, all the different ways about like, yeah, you can combine the decks and play with more than six people. It was really neat to, you know, just have someone come up and kind of have that dialogue. Um, hmm. And I had actually done the same thing. There was another guy waiting to buy and he was like, well, I'm looking at buying gloom because my friends and I are, you know, we'll get together and I want something to bring, you know, when we play and, you know, gave him a few pointers. Cool.
3: Yeah, um, the uh, party floor was pretty open. <laughs> um, I think the, the times I w- were in there, it was at the AkaiCon party, um, just because, you know, we know those guys, we're friends with a lot of them, so shouts to them. But
0: Yeah, we went by, I went by with Jen at one point as well.
3: Yeah. We're... Jen had my drinks did you Jeff. All of them. Over the course
2: <laughs> of the night?
3: Yeah. Five. Okay. How, on a scale of one to turned up, how turned up were you? <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: Okay. <laughs> what? Um, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so what can you guys? Uh, what what fun stories can you guys tell me?
0: Um. I was going to say, the, the only things I did after that, where I went to the video game development in Nashville, showed, I did a uh, Shadows of the Demon Lord demo, and then Charlie and I played games. Not sure that those are going to be the fun party stories you want. <laughs> eh, it might be. I don't know.
2: I was pretty drunk while we were watching Kilt Blowing.
0: We
3: also went to Geek Slam.
2: Yes. True. True. Um, Geek Slam, I cut out to go get your Nintendo drinks. DS, and I stopped at the party floor and had a couple of drinks on my way back.
3: I said, I said to get smashed, <laughs> not get smashed.
2: I did both, yes, yeah, and so. I wasn't smashed, I was just pretty drunk.
3: Settle it and smashed. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I do like the fact that they uh, kind of corral all the drinking, a lot of the drinking to the party floor. Um, I like the way they handled it because um, you know you had to badge in to even, or not badge in, but um, like show your your ID to even get in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, they they controlled it. They reduced their liability, I'm sure. Um, the only danger with that is, um, I think it kind of like. If you're not careful, you could tip it and basically become a party con Mm -hmm. and uh, that that would not be my preference. (laughs) So what did did you
3: guys think about Geek Slam? Not bad. It was it it was weird. It's an interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting concept. Yes, yes. Where where people are are throwing insults at each other in character.
0: Um, It sounds like a better Ask a Character panel.
3: Kind of, yeah. That's that's a pretty good way of describing it.
1: But, yeah, we... I mostly went, I think, because, like, Jonathan... And Lauren went, yeah, that was... Well, and, and Jonathan knew one of the guys that was in it. Okay. Who did he know that was in it? Uh, I believe it was the uh, guy that was data. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's part of why he was there as well was to, to cheer on a a guy that he knew. So, which it turns out that guy was, didn't really need the help. He was really, really good. Yeah, he was. So, yeah, it was pretty interesting. If I've, if, if you were to ask me to go to an ask a character style panel, that would probably be the one that I'd be like, uh, okay, I don't, I, you have a tough time convincing me of any other, but. So
3: kill for me, was a love playing smash 3ds with Jonathan and one of his friends. So.
1: Yeah. I, was, yeah. I, I kind of thought the, uh, when, when I realized you were still in, it, I was like, you know, I don't even. I, I would wager John may not even know that kilt blowing's going on in the room that he's in. Yes, he <laughs> he probably be has better look up. Yeah, like it is safe for him. safer for him if he doesn't look up. Yeah.
3: That's... Oh,
2: it was still very safe,
0: except for the tip.
2: <laughs> well, you know.
0: That that didn't actually happen. You're kidding, right? Nope. <laughs> I'm so sorry.
3: Oh, I didn't see it. I, like I said, I was, I was settling it in Smash and all that. So, Jen, what, what was your, uh, your I take on
2: they, it? I think I know how you could win that.
3: Please, please share.
2: Well, they had boxers on underneath their kilts. Sure. Now,
3: now if you remove those, you'd be showing your junk, and that would be against the rules.
2: Right. But if you wore. If you had a fake
3: phallus, that might not, that, you know, that, that might still fly. I don't know. Continue.
2: Well, if your boxers were kind of loose enough that, um, you could kind of get those to flutter a little bit too. If you wore some pretty pink lacy panties underneath that, I'm sure you would get some, um, some extra interest. From whom? Yes. Panties under the boxers or uh-huh. above the boxers? Under. Because then you've got another layer to show.
1: Okay. That's weird, man.
3: Sounds legit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, you see the boxers and it does the, that flutter and then you see the panties underneath. It's like, oh, <gasps> woo!
0: <laughs> no? The trick is actually you're not showing more. <laughs> You're just making people think you're showing more. Exactly. Did you, in fact, woo? You know, I, I don't. I don't fully understand how people judge these sort of things. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about even like burlesque where women are involved instead of men. Like, I I don't understand that mindset. So stage presence. Sure.
1: Everyone loves presence.
0: Why are you present on the stage doing this? For attention.
1: Yep. Yes.
0: I, I will be honest, one one of the things I noticed about Saturday night was like I have a choice between NSFW and comedy. And getting drunk. And getting drunk. And crunk. I chose differently. I chose option D at this point, but
2: <laughs> like, no no we chose option D <laughs> we went to you kill cho- blowing
0: He chose
3: option A for analog
2: exactly for
3: analog.
0: I did notice there were a lot of really like stranger NSFW panels than I remember
1: mm-hmm. um,
3: you know what that means it means we need to submit our own NSFW panel
1: next year uh, everything we do is uh, is not safe for work so probably true That's that's how I live my life.
0: Um, So anyway, yeah, what I was doing during that time, just to segue, um, I went to video game development in Nashville, which was kind of a roundtable panel style discussion with some of the people in the Nashville game development group, which they have a much more active group, uh, much more published group than we do here. Um, actually, getting into like Oculus Rift and stuff—it was kind of mm. cool. I didn't know what to expect, considering that I was submitting my own game development talk. And like, uh, are they going to completely outclass me? But, oh, um, <laughs> um, it was actually really good because it was—there um, like, were people who, I mean, use Unity and uh, game game studio, but people who are getting published on like PSM. And, you know, obviously Android and iOS and things like that. But It hmm. uh, was really cool. And one of the guys actually came to my panel the next day. Um, I played Shadow of the Demon Lord from yes. 10 to midnight. Um, I really liked it. didn't feel all that different from d d in a sense, uh, in a certain sense, I guess, um, in that, you know, you go in and you pick a race and something like a class and a lot of the powers felt similar. Mm -hmm. A lot of the spells felt similar. What I did like about this, I especially like this about the demo was how they managed the character creation process Mm -hmm. Because one. They've simplified it. When you first go in and create a level zero character, you pick a race, you pick an ancestry, which is essentially a race. Um, And they have some standard fantasy races. Um, they have a couple that aren't standard. They have, um, a Nephilim and I can't remember, I can't remember what the, like the demon version of it was. Um, they have like, uh, rock trolls, they have goblins. Uh, their elves are more like she than like Tolkien elves.
4: Hmm.
0: Um, but I mean, that, that's a single, uh, choice, and it also allows you to, I believe, you could choose to, to make your, um, like, adjust some of your stats. But it was, it was pretty much cut and dried. Uh, your next choice was the first. Um, I think this would be, like, a level two uh, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I think the way levels work is you gain them every level. Or you gain them every session or something like that. Because it's meant to be played in an 11-session campaign.
4: Because um,
0: mm. the idea is you want to experience all the game content, and with a lot of role-playing games, the only way you do that is if you play for seven years. Um, <laughs> but this want, wants, they, he wants you to be, you know, this to be accessible to, you know, the way people actually play role-playing games. So the second choice is between fighter, mage, priest, or rogue. Um, and each of those uh, give you certain abilities. Uh, the rogue, for example, I think could take assets on a uh, certain role, like certain skill roles. The fighter could take assets on certain uh, fighter roles. Uh, mages and priests got to choose either two or three uh, spellcasting traditions. Hmm. So you don't choose spells, you choose spellcasting traditions. Um, so if you pick life... You get to cast, um, I can't remember. Basically, you can restore someone who's uh, unconscious at will, and you've got a couple once-a-day powers. Um, Priest also gave you, uh, I, w- I wouldn't call it simple. Like his, his, his description of the game actually came off as simpler than it was in reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, in reality, there's a lot of little powers that you can get that you have to be aware of but they all fit on one card Like Hmm. he gave me an elf card he gave me a priest card he gave me a card for each of the spell casting traditions and um, but the demo was really well done because they had someone there walking you through each of these and they had signage like they had a big sheet that said here are your choices at this at this stage and so, it kind of it kind of kept you from like if they'd been if you'd been flipping through a book or a PDF or something, um, you'd be like, "Ooh, what does this do? Ooh, what does this do?" But this, you know, kept you focused, and it was a better demo experience than a uh, pre-generated character. Hmm. Um, the game itself, um, it it feels a lot like D and I mean, it's like the spells are kind of dnd inspired uh at least the the nature and life traditions that i picked um i do like some of the things it does uh like it, it gets rid of initiative uh the heroes go first then the bad guys um and i didn't fully understand it because i um we didn't do a ton of combat
4: mm-hmm.
0: but essentially there's a fast turn and a slow turn and depending on whether you're doing a simple or complex action, you either go during the fast turn or the slow turn. So it kind of it it manages that speed aspect without um without like forcing you to remember what everyone's initiative was and you know shuffle through all that. Um, there's also not a lot of really weird skill check bonuses. It's just you know roll perception or roll uh, willpower or something like that. It um, uses, like I said, the D20 and the D6, which sounds weird. Like, how would you work with without, like, an entire range of dice? Uh, but it was actually pretty elegant, and I really like the assets complication system. So if you get a bonus, you take a penalty, you get an asset on a D20 roll, you get either assets or complications. They cancel each other out. So, if you end up with two assets, you roll a d20 and two d6s, and that's your skill roll. Um, Hmm. It was actually pretty cool. We had kind of a that guy in our group. Hmm. Played the goblin wizard who had to touch everything.
1: And he died.
0: No, he got taken over by an evil statue and tried to kill us. And I uh, entangled him in some vines and we killed the statue, um, which actually helped us, helped us get the good ending of the adventure. So there's that. Um, but that was pretty cool. Hmm. That doesn't sound good. It's, it's not necessarily the type of game I would play, especially yeah. with it being dark fantasy it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be dark fantasy. Like this was a very standard dungeon crawl. You don't have to get to the, into the ap- apocalyptic aspects. Yeah. Um, but I will probably support it just cause, you know, I like what he does at GMX and, you know, it's not a bad game. Cool.
1: Yeah. I want to, I, I do want to give that one a shot.
3: So anything else from
0: Saturday? Uh, Let's see. Uh, Charlie and I played a couple of games in the analog gaming room.
1: Very late. Yeah. Very late.
0: Um, um, also, I got pulled into a game of Werewolf while I was waiting for Charlie. Which, holy crap! People who play at conventions with all the different specialized villagers, it gets super complex. I have, <laughs> I have been underestimating what Werewolf is for a long time.
1: Interesting.
0: But I think we ended up playing there was a game called Sakurai, which was sort of an economic game, sort of a military game. It played mm-hmm. much faster than I thought it would. It was a like a prototype they had bought from like the game crafters. Yeah. Um And it was alright. Um yeah, it wasn't really my thing, but No, I mean I liked it okay,
1: except that like it was one of the things where if you weren't rolling good, there was just you weren't going to to recover like a few a few bad rolls, I think, could put you at such a deficit that because that's what happened to me, because there came a point where I was like, you know what, let's just call it because I don't think I can possibly pull out a win at this point.
0: Yeah, I'd also bought a lot of the uh, special cards that allowed me to um, like made it give, given my units more life and made it easier to roll, I think. Uh, It was it's kind of strange because it's it's an economic game in the sense that you have multiple currencies that can be uh, translated back and forth and you have to do different things to get iron or rice or whatever.
4: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, It's also kind of weird because you have a certain number of units you can have on the board and you have to upgrade them. So there's this kind of weird. um it actually kind of reminds me of a MOBA where you've got minions on either side. And really what you have to do is control the, you know, make sure that your minions get as far as possible before they die. Um, and that was basically it. Like send my soldiers out, have them do as much damage to, to you as they can when they die, make sure there's a bunch more coming after them so that you can't, um, recover. Um, Anyway, is there anything else you wanted to say about that? Uh, nah. We also played, uh, and this was what, uh, someone there had, uh, recommended to us. It was a game called Enigma. Enigma was, it's, I think he, one of the guys had actually said he just got this from Gen Con. So this is a newer game. Yes. It basically plays like Carcassonne with puzzle mini games. Um, and but basically Carcassonne is a tile placement game where you're trying to create, um, loops or, or, you know, trying to complete features. Yeah. And what this was, was you were basically trying to complete complete paths that either looped back on each other or ended, um, and basically claim them. Mm-hmm.
1: The hard part though, is those mini games. Yes. Because whether or not you get to place a tile down to try to complete these circuits um, depends v- entirely on um, – what was it? Was it four or five, five minigames? Games. One of there which was... is like taking like little Tetris-type blocks and trying to make these different um, shapes out of them such that when – or these arrangements where when you view it from above, you see – Certain, certain number of colors or certain. Anyway,
0: it was a math game where basically you yes. had certain values on both sides of the card and a certain number of like little barrels, and you had to balance out the two sides of the equation.
1: Yeah, I didn't um, find those.
0: I actually really liked those. I, I, I had a hard time with the the 3D blocks. Yeah, um, 3D
1: blocks I kept going back to because I, I kept wanting to get them. And yes, they are very tough there. There's one that's like pipe dream where you're connecting pipes. Yes. Uh, to leave no sort of dead ends or I mean, no unfinished pieces. Uh, what was
0: it? It was a tangram.
1: Oh, Lord. The tangram one sucked.
0: Actually, I did much better on like the tangram and the pipe and the, mm-hmm. the math game than the blocks game. But part of me wanted to be like awesome at the blocks game because the blocks are cool. They're little 3D wooden blocks. Yeah, Um, it's 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 a really neat game. It's one of those I would hesitate at at doing because it kind of reminded me of playing uh, Cranium. Um, Hmm. Where like, you know, certain people are good at certain things. I like the, 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 uh, yellow, like the language puzzles and, and things like that. And I, I'm really good at those. Everything else I hate. Every, like, everyone else hates the yellow ones because, you know, me and other people are, you know, good at them. You know, like the, the team spelling stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like it's, that stuff gets weirdly competitive and this removes the team play aspect from it making it even more competitive like it's a fun game as long as you you're good at the mini games if you're not you're just yeah yeah you're not going to like it. it it but and we
1: were also playing it very late yes um, it, we may have a different like i kind of liked it i would like to try it when i'm not <laughs>
0: I imagine probably. there were a couple of those games that we sat there and looked like idiots because it was two in the morning and we were trying to do something that required a lot of thinking.
1: Yes, absolutely. But I think I guess that's all we that was the last of Saturday. Yep.
3: And I'm pretty much relying on you guys for Sunday because we weren't Sunday. there. Sunday.
0: What did we, know? Know. Sunday. We,
1: we did very little. Yeah, uh, I think we got
0: went, up kind of late and checked yeah,
1: out. Yeah, sadly missed the the yes. Gigi Edgley interview, but Although
0: we went up there and we rode down on the same elevator she did.
1: Yeah, so we didn't get to see her, but um Which see. is almost as good as an interview. Almost. Nope. But we then went to like the dealers room Marta Sally, just checked that out again. Um then spent this amount of time in robot battles, yeah. Which, oh, that. if if you've seen it, you know how it works. Um, it was entertaining. Uh, after the
0: robots, they battle.
1: Yeah, always fun. Uh, then we went to a public demonstration of the medieval arts, or no, of the martial arts of Renaissance Europe, which was actually really cool. I yes. I really enjoyed that, and and they were basically. I mean for the most part it was uh, Renaissance sword play um, and they they demonstrated different like back and forths and and the proper way to, to use a sword and, and leverage and there's there's there was really a lot more to it the most interesting thing I think or one of the most interesting things I think uh, for me was probably um, was probably the uh, the bit about, like, you have the sword, but the sword is probably not going to get through somebody's armor. So what you're really trying to do is get leverage on your opponent and then, like, hit them with the hill. Basically. The basic
0: idea is medieval weapons don't work like you think they work.
1: Yeah, it was so odd. I mean, some of the stuff I was familiar with, but a lot of it, like, the the whole like the sword's not going to get through the armor so that's not really the the blade is 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 less the point of it than the uh, than just bludgeoning someone to death at close range
0: and what's really crazy they they're with a group called the arma and i think it's like the yes. arma.org is um and you can find these study groups apparently there are none in the area cuz i checked that was like would be uh, kind of cool um none in our area there's one in middle Tennessee. Mm. Um, the interesting thing is the way they describe it, like the way they learn these techniques is in many cases, they're going out and reading Renaissance writings about how you fight with a particular type of weapon.
1: That was pretty cool too.
0: Which, yeah, it just seems bizarre. And what's, what's kind of interesting too, is that like one of the guys is a, I think he also... He, I say black belt in taekwondo like he does some yes. eastern martial arts and he knows how they're different but at the same time he can kind of switch between them and and incorporate certain aspects or co- he did some comparisons like mm-hmm. well in this we would you know in taekwondo we would do this but you know in western martial arts we would do this
1: yeah it it was it was very entertaining i i got a lot i got a lot from it
0: uh, yeah. I kind of uh, wish I'd gone to the uh, renaissance. There was, They did another panel where they actually talked about the weapons.
2: Oh, um, really? It wasn't
0: so much a demonstration because it was in one of the panel rooms. Yeah. It was one of those like, ah, I don't know if I'll go to that because you just you figure it's going to be kind of a historical, you yeah. know, more speculative than people who are actually training with these weapons.
1: Yes. Uh, That's a shame. I didn't know about that. It is a shame. And then I believe the last thing we did was the game development for fun and not profit.
0: Yes, which was my panel, which I felt like went pretty well. I've I switched it up so that I showed demos of like example projects and other some of the other free tools. mm. I could probably I need to tighten it up a bit so that I'm not doing as much talking about, you know, like, don't have as many slides of detail on each of them. i just jump into it. Um, possibly even, like, like I almost feel like I could do a separate Unity panel, but I don't know that that would fly at every convention. Um, but I could, it'd be something. But I actually felt like it went really well, especially because there were a couple of people in there who had used, like, one of them was using, uh, Unity and Game Maker, one of the guys from the um, Nashville game development group and from the other panel. Um, And he actually fielded some questions where I was just kind of lost Mm -hmm. um, as to how to answer them. And there were a couple other guys who did game development. So it was, but at the same time there were people who were, you know, taking pictures of slides because they weren't into it. I really felt like in a panel like that, that's what you want. You want people at both ends so that, you know, they're complimenting what I'm telling you because, one person is not going to know everything or be able to explain everything. And then you have people who are actually getting something out of it. It's not just a bunch of, you know, game developers talking about in theory, what would be how you would want to uh, get started.
1: Yeah. You had a really good group. I thought like there was, there were various skill levels. um, So I, I, and I think the way that, that you sort of presented everything everybody I, I I thought everybody kind of got something out of it like everybody it you were able to to talk to these different speak to these people where they were so you weren't I, so even if you were speaking over somebody's head at one point you'd bring it back around and 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 vice versa so I thought it I thought it went really well
3: yeah so that does it, huh? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. So, closing thoughts, everybody. What What'd you think about GMX?
0: Um, I really liked it as always. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I I guess my worry, if 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 I have one, is there were a lot of people. One, there were a lot of people I saw on Facebook and on the forums that were griping about different things. So there were people who had issues this year, but I'm not a, and, and to be fair, I'm I'm sure this was kind of like our podcast last year where we had like Mike on and the results were not pretty and <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to like, ah, how dare they? They're ungrateful because we we've been that those people before. Um, Mike's been those people before. Mike's been those people <laughs> before. But I know a lot of people had issues with like the cons uh the hotel staff um policing the floor for alcohol like i said you had t- tons of traffic to the party rooms um you had a lot of um nsfw panels like i was saying and that uh, they were on good t- i want to say they were on topics that you, you need a safe environment like this to be able to discuss mm. they were informative to a certain type but it's also the type where like You know, if you get too heavy into drinking, partying, you know, talking about sexy stuff that I almost have this feeling like you're going to get the wrong type of people. It's not going to be it's, you know, not not in two years, but in four or five years, um, it's going to morph into, it could morph into something if, but, uh, Overall, I really liked it. Like, like I said, there was a lot of good. I didn't see a lot of the maker content. But again, I go to these sort of things for like just the, the craft and art sort of, uh, you know, and, and some of the, the general maker content. So, like, I love the game development uh, panel that they did on Saturday. I love the people demonstrating martial arts. You know, I, they had a lot of good content there, which is why I go to GMX.
1: Charlie, what you got for me? Same. <laughs> I mean, the. I the feel like I'm monopolizing. Sorry. No, the unfortunate bit was just you know in missing pretty much all of Saturday, um, but just speaking for what I was there for, um, I just I I, I really have n- no complaints with with the convention. So I mean, if Maybe, maybe bad stuff would have happened on Saturday had I been there, but, um, but I can't, I can't. I, yeah, everything was good. The programming that I went to was was very well done. Um, I didn't go to any panels that I thought were kind of throwaway panels. Um, so content was good. The guests were good. Um, I guess the only. Uh, if I had to pick on anything, um, but this is pretty usual. I mean, their dealer's room is not very big.
0: Yeah, uh, it has never been.
1: Yeah, it had some decent stuff in it. On the other I, hand, I they actually did... did. Go ahead.
0: They do have the score in the digital gaming room. I think this year, and I think they did, and I know they have the the guys who run who sell stuff in analog gaming. So if you're looking for something specific, they have people who have really good stock.
1: Good point. Good point. Very true. So
0: specific in the gaming area.
1: Yeah. So I, yeah, I can't. I I I enjoyed it, and I will obviously be back next year.
3: Yes. Jen, what you got for me?
2: I would like for next year to be able to do the whole convention. So just driving in for one day, I had a lot of fun. Um, usually with conventions, I'll get bored or you know be like, huh okay, well, this isn't for me, this isn't for me, but, you know, I did have a lot of fun. I'm
3: mm. well, good. Um, yeah, I, I can't really speak to any problems anybody else might have had because I was just there for the one day, but um, I did have a good time. Um, most of it was in the media room, but that's always the best time for me. Um, <laughs> and I really appreciate um, Ashley and Rusty uh, who, who were you know, holding, holding stuff down in the media room. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, thanks to all the GMX volunteers and staff. And it was great to see all of our friends as well. Um, I wasn't sure that I was going to make it and kind of seeing a lot of people that I know were like, Hey, you, you know, I thought you weren't going to be here. It was really nice to kind of see everybody and, and, uh, just get to, to take advantage of that. Um, it's always good to go out there when, when I can. so was really happy to do it. Um, do want to let everyone know really quickly? Um, we are going to be at Anime Blast next weekend, um, so come check that out. It's going to be a good time. Um, I'm running some panels. Dylan, are you running any panels? Yes. Okay. Cool. I, th- I think. Oh yeah, that's right. I think like, <laughs> I-, I think someone's going to have to choose between going to mine and Dylan's panels for for one of them. I forget what.
0: I think it's like fighting game, anime, and board games. So yeah, probably almost different crowds anyway. In some right. cases, um, so
1: so I'll have a difficult time. Yeah, yeah. Be, but anyways, fine.
0: Um But I'm going to do that: the game development panel and the my Inkscape panel. Sweet, that I've kind of revamped.
3: Um, I'll be doing the the brief history of fighting games in anime and uh, awesome anime that time for uh, time and publishers forgot. Um, it's gonna be, you know, the same the same panels I did at Hammock on this year. Uh, I'll be doing them at MA Blast, so if you didn't get to check those out, um, come on down. Um, and yeah, we're we're gonna have a good time. So we'll see you guys then. But anybody else
0: have anything before we uh, set sail for the week? Speaking of which, the week after ABC, we're also gonna be at mini MiniCon. Woo Never too
1: um, early to start pimping it.
0: Never too you know, early to start pimping it.
1: So please please
3: do attend if you're able. It's a one day event. It's on a Saturday. There's no reason not to go. Uh we will we will be there. Um Dylan and I are directors for the con, so we have to shamelessly promote it. Um
0: we don't have to, but
3: Yeah, we do. Know. We 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 do have to shamelessly promote it. Um <laughs> I think I'm taking part in like four panels that day, so nice. Um so yeah, that's that's gonna be a good time. Um but, all right, well if we don't have anything else, um Yeah, peace peace be with you and also with uh you know the, the party floor.
0: <laughs> they need <Woo-hoo>!
3: it. <laughs> uh, all right guys, we'll see you next time.